Taz and I just bobbing our heads here at the desk. Oh, it's love. I mean, I just, you got to just put on a new mask, the bright yellow mask. I just put on a, you know, bow tie that's bright yellow with gloves on and just vibing out, just eating gummies. Just, you know, like real gummies, though, like candy. <laughs> that's, you know, like gummy bears, you know. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. <laughs> Welcome <coughs> to Throwing Couch Potatoes, <coughs> belated 420 edition. <laughs> I am your host, Matt Baskey. Uh, and on this episode, we're covering all the wrestling that I watched between April 16th and April 22nd, which was a spicy and spacey 90 matches. Oh, man. <coughs> so grab some normal gummy bears and let's get right to it. But first, rewind your earballs back to the 16th of April. Because uh, I finally got to watch some AAA. Hooray! This show has Lucha on it at last. Because I checked out uh, <clears throat> Triple Mania 31 in Monterey. Uh, the first of, I think, three Triple Mania events that uh, AAA is going to be putting on. Um, so, since they're pay-per-view, it's much easier for me to uh, actually watch it than just watching AAA's weekly product, which only exists within the fantasies of those who believe in it. Um, so let's get right into it. This opened with what was supposed to be a 10-way cage match, but one luchador uh, got fucking bottled right from the get-go and never made it in the cage. Um, <clears throat> this one is a, a weird one. You have to escape the cage, and the last two wrestlers remaining inside the cage have to have a mask-versus-mask match later on, so... Uh, no pinfalls or submissions. You you specifically want to get out of the cage, which is a neat idea and especially works uh, with uh, Lucha de Apuestas. Uh, so this match featured <clears throat> Laredo Kid, Aerostar, Black Taurus, Argenis, Octagon Jr., Abismo Negro Jr., Villano 3 Jr. So, Villano 4? No? No, he's Villano 3-2. Okay. Miss Disease Jr., a.k.a. Mystico, and La Parca Negra. Uh, one of the hardest things for this show was just trying to understand who everybody is because some wrestlers I'm familiar with, but they go under slightly different names here in AAA. Uh, Pentagon Jr. is a uh, great example of that. Uh, in any case, this match started off really messy and was just, you couldn't tell what was going on. And it really took a couple of eliminations for the match to really start to get going. Uh, I was kind of iffy on it at the start, but once the field had cleared a little bit and you could actually see what was going on, there were some cool moves in here and some neat spots. Um, yeah, it was overall a pretty entertaining match. I wouldn't call it like a great wrestling match, but it, it was, uh, it was fun TV for, uh, an open opening to a pay-per-view at the very least. Uh, so I gave this a three out of five. After that, Vampiro took on Chessman, um, apparently a guy that Vampiro has feuded with for years and years and years. Um, Vampiro nowadays is pretty hilarious, because he doesn't look like Vampiro. He just looks like a guy. Like, he looks like Ian from Thunder Bay. He's just a dude in, like, black jeans and a t-shirt. And he came out, and they said that he had Chessman's, like, face paint on. And I'm like, 
are you sure about that? Because it looks really bad. It doesn't look anything like what Chessman has on his face. Vampiro looked more like Henry Rollins from the the Rollins Band Liar video. If you if you remember that, you know, I'm a liar. <laughs> That's what he looked like. I couldn't get it out of my head once I saw it. Um, this match was actually kind of hilariously bad. Uh, Vampiro is a very slow wrestler. It's obvious he struggles to give a fuck in, in a match. And in this match, he was just no-selling Chessman's offense like crazy. There was one part where Chessman did like um, like a wrecking ball drop kick uh, to him seated in the corner. And he just, like, rolled his eyes and left the ring and, like, allowed his second to take over for a bit. Like, what a fucking asshole. Vampiro's such a dick. (laughs) This, like, I I gave this match a 1.75, but actually, like, I was laughing so hard at how unprofessional and shitty Vampiro is. He's such a dick. I kind of love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was certainly entertaining, but not for the reasons that I'm sure they wanted. Um, <clears throat> 1.75, I'd say probably the worst match that I saw this week, but at the same time, it was, it was kind of fun, but for bad reasons. Moving on to a five on five elimination Copa, Copa Triple Mania match. Um, I don't think, I don't know if this was for the Triple Mania Cup or if this, is like part of sort of a tournament that will be decided at, at future Triple Mania 31 events. Uh, in any case, uh, this was uh, two teams, Arez, Dave the Clown, Latigo, Negro Casas, and Nino Amburguesa, great fucking name, versus Baby Extreme, El Hijo del L.A. Park, El Zorro, Flammer, and Toscano. Um, I'm happy to say that, again, this match started off a little janky and a little rough, but Once it started going, there was some really good, fast-paced, smooth lucha spots. Um, The the crowd was very hot for this one. Flammer, in particular, got a really good um, reaction from the crowd. Yeah, this was a a pretty good match, and once it actually kicked into its proper gear and and figured out what it was doing, very easy watch, and and, uh, I was quite impressed with a lot of these wrestlers I, I hadn't seen before. Uh, 3.75, worth checking out. This was a, a very fun 5-on-5 uh, five five tag. And I liked the booking in it as well, because you have um, Negro Casas, who's like 87,000 years old. So <clears throat> it gets down to the point where, you know, uh, he's a legend, and he's up against uh, a two-on-one deficit, but it's like, you know, he's Negro Casas. He could probably beat two people at once. And it, it was just a well-thought-out and well-booked match, and I kind of appreciated that because, you know, a lot of the impression I've got from people's feelings about AAA is that it can sometimes be kind of messy and kind of chaotic, and this felt like it had clearly defined goals and achieved them very handily, and it was very entertaining. Uh, So, yeah, 3.75. Check it out. Moving on to, oh, fuck, El... El Patron Alberto and Pentagon Jr. versus Psycho Clown and Sam Adonis. Um, this is like a, a crash course in what AAA is, I guess. It's very weird to see Alberto El Patron. I haven't seen him wrestle since he was in WWE. Um, and he looks way different now. Certainly not in as good of shape, and he has a beard. But he, he's crazy over. Uh, fans love him there. He wasn't particularly great in this match, but thankfully he's got Pentagon Jr., uh, you know, an incredible wrestler to back him up. 
And Psycho Clown and Sam Adonis were pretty good, too. I get the impression that Psycho Clown and, like, all the, the clown characters are kind of like AAA's, like, bullet club, I guess you could say. Like, they're just a very enduring stable of characters, and there's a lot of them. Like, there's uh, Dave the Clown, who certainly, you know, looks horrifying, doesn't look like somebody I'd call Dave. In any case, this match was pretty okay. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but there were certainly some points where I felt like they had slowed it down quite a bit. Uh, after that, the Argenis versus Mysticis Jr. <clears throat> mask versus Mask match. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to say that this one had a lot of time wasting, you know, a lot of playing up to the crowd, getting heel heat, which is, you know, great if you're in the crowd, but... If you're just watching this at home, it's there's not actually a whole lot going on through most of this. You know, weapon hits, walking around, posing, you know. Uh, I get it. You know, it makes sense. But it wasn't a very entertaining match for me. It was a 2.5. Uh, and then in a tag match after that, L.A. Park and Roosh uh, took on Blue Demon Jr. and Diamante Azul. Uh, this was a bit of a... How would you describe it? An old-fashioned bloody tag brawl. Uh, this felt like it was out of the 70s or something, where everyone's getting a big nasty blade job, doing, you know, long, drawn-out uh, headlock sequences and things like that. A, little, a bit of a blast from the past, this match. Um, it felt very, like, traditional wrestling. Uh, it wasn't bad, but... Um, you know, a match with Roosh that I only rate a 2.75, you know, definitely could have gotten better out of these guys. But, you know, L.A. Park, Blue Demon, and Diamante Azul, I think, are all pretty old at this point. I think Roosh is kind of the young guy in this match. But 2.75, not bad. And then finally, your main event for the AAA Mega Championship, El Hijo del Vikingo versus Rich Swan versus Swerve Strickland versus Commander. Wow. So you've got two AAA guys, an AEW guy, and an Impact guy all in the same title match. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, wrestling is neat sometimes. Uh, what would you expect me to say about this match other than it was a fast-paced spot fest with some crazy moves and jaw-dropping sequences? I mean, that's what Rich Swan is known for, that's what Swerve Strickland is known for, and that's especially what Vikingo and Commander are known for. I feel like Vikingo and Commander are kind of like Gresham and Speedball on Impact. They could just feud forever, and you could, you know, keep, you know, uh, copy-pasting people into that feud, and it'll add to it and make it better. Um, this was a fucking spectacular match. Uh, it didn't have, you know, like a huge emotional resonance. It didn't feel like, you know, like an epic title defense or anything, but for just pure balls-to-the-wall in-ring action. This was a lot of fun, uh, and four guys who are very, very well-suited to this type of match. Uh, it was a four out of five, not, you know, a super high four. I don't think it's going to be placed super high on my match of the year list, but still, this one is worth going out of your way to see. And uh, overall, Triple Mania, uh, Bente Uno won. Uh, overall, for Triple Mania, Trenta Uno Monterey, uh, fairly decent show that had some high spots that had some low spots but thankfully its lowest spot was like entertaining with its uh incompetence um overall i was pretty happy to watch the show and i'm excited to watch more triple mania later on in the summer uh hopefully i'll still be able to watch it 
Moving on to AEW Elevation, which we opened with Maki Ito versus Ashley Damboise. Uh, pretty cool seeing Maki on AEW again. <clears throat> I think every time she's in America, they try and get her on uh, Darker Elevation at least once. Um, this was a pretty short squash. Didn't have a whole lot going on, but Maki is very charismatic, so this was still an entertaining bout. 2.75. From there, Mike Magnum, Jack Tomlinson, and Zach Clayton took on the Jericho Appreciation Society's Jake Hager, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. Um, pretty short, forgettable six-man tag bouts. Uh, I like 2.0, but Jake Hager is not uh, not for me. 2.25. I also gave that to Brett Gosselin and Bobby Orlando versus Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Another very forgettable Hardy and Cassidy tag. I really liked the beginning of their uh, program with Ethan Page, but now that that's kind of run its course, um, I don't really know what these guys are doing so much. So, you know, bring on more Matt and Jeff stuff. You know, I know that's what they're leading up to, so that'll be good. And then Emi Sakura took on Mizuki from TJPW. Um, Very high hopes for this match. Emi Sakura obviously has been on a crazy run lately, and Mizuki... Um, being able to easily wrestle Sakura's style uh, had a lot of promise. I just feel like this match didn't get enough time. Um, an extra five minutes would have made this something truly special, but uh, in the end, it was just all right. Uh, three out of five expected a little better from these two, but uh, I don't think they had the right amount of resources to do it properly. From there, we go to Monday Night Raw. Um one thing I'll say about this week in wrestling, and it's it's kind of crazy, is that this is the first week where WWE's in-ring has been almost on par with AEW's. They had a couple of really good matches this week on Raw and on NXT. I, I gotta say, I was fairly impressed. Anyways, let's go through it. We open with Rey Mysterio versus Solo Sokoa. Hey, he's not main eventing this week. Oh, well, we'll see about SmackDown. Um, yeah, this match was decent. Uh, the crowd was very into it, as they are for all of Rey Mysterio's matches. I feel like he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for WWE right now. He's a big draw, and I think one of the reasons why they're selling out so many arenas. Um, yeah, match was okay. Some shenanigans, as there often are with anything involving the Judgment Day, but, uh, you know, it was alright. Not bad. 2.75. Moving on to Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. This is one that I feel like could have easily gone horribly wrong, but uh, actually ended up being halfway decent. Um, nothing too special, and I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I remember being like, oh, this was better than your average Raw women's match. All right. Uh, three out of five. Then on to The Miz versus Seth Rollins. Pretty much happening for no reason that I can discern, but uh, hey, this match was actually pretty excellent, and apparently um, the Hurricane was the road agent on this one, and a lot of people are crediting him for why it was so good. Uh, yeah, this match moved along at a pretty brisk pace. It was exciting and dramatic and had way more spots than a, a Miz match you would expect. The problem with this match, though, is that you've spent the last you know couple months showing me that The Miz sucks, he's bad at wrestling, and literally anyone can beat him, even Snoop Dogg, uh, on, like, two seconds' notice. So, despite this match being really good, it doesn't fit with what you've been telling me lately, and I don't know why it happened. 
and now Seth is going to fight Omos at, at Backlash for no reason. Um, it's weird. WWE is killing it in terms of like crowds and how many tickets they're selling. And I feel like they're just spinning their wheels creatively. Like there's so much shit that's happening where it's like, what's the point of this? Why is this going on? Why am I seeing this on my TV? Uh, yeah, so the Miz versus Seth Rollins, I gave 3.75. Really good match. If you like WWE, you should probably check it out. Uh, speaking of why is this on my TV, though, Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory followed. Um, um, I don't remember too much about this one. I remember Bobby Lashley looking pretty decent and Theory looking like a dork as usual. Um, but yeah, just a 2.75 on that one. Moving on to a much more uh, typical uh, Raw women's match, we have Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville versus Michin and Candice LeRae. Uh, pretty short, uh, unmemorable match. Couldn't tell you a whole lot about it. 2.5, very average. And then your main event, The Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Finn Balor. Hey, you get the whole JD. Versus Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Uh, I gotta say, this match was fucking delightful. It was a uh, jam-packed party match full of uh, hot moves, um, a hot crowd, and just flowed really well. I think WWE has realized that uh, these matches get crowds very loud and are really good on TV as well. Um, AEW is, I, I think, quite... A bit better at doing these types of matches, but WWE is getting very good at them. In any case, this was a 3.75, an excellent main event for a Raw, capping off probably the best episode of Raw in terms of in-ring that I've seen this year. Uh, yeah, decent match. Check it out if you like any of these fellas. But let's turn your expectations down about 17,000 notches because it's time for NWA Power. We open with Tom Latimer versus Psycho Boy Fodder for the NWA Television Championship. A rematch from Nuff Said from like two months ago. Cool, Billy. Glad we get to see this again. Uh, it was a two out of five for a, like a what like six minute fifteen second match or however long the Television Championship uh, time limit is on NWA. Very little happened in this. Uh, yeah, two out of five. Pretty dull. After that, La Rosa Negra took on Natalia Markova in a fairly enjoyable match, I, I guess. <laughs> like, it was entertaining because both of these women are, are very charismatic and, you know, they were playing up to the crowd and stuff, but it, it wasn't a very exciting match. Um, 2.5, still the high point of this show, and La Rosa Negra is one of the better wrestlers that uh, happens to exist in Billy's sweaty warehouse. And your main events for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, Kerry Morton versus Joe Alonzo. I think this is also um, a rematch from Nuff Said, or maybe from 315. I'm not sure. In any case, Kerry Morton, I think, is what Billy Corgan wants to be, like, NWA's uh, Nick Wayne. And he is so not that. Like, he needs a lot of work and, like polishing and just like a lot of patience and dedication is going to make Kerry Borton into a good wrestler and I feel like they're trying to like force it that he's good now 
and you know he's he's fine and for nwa standards he you know he is one of the better wrestlers they have but uh i don't know <laughs> i mean if i were in billy corgan's position with his roster i would probably do the same thing but i just i don't buy it uh his matches aren't great his promos are terrible. Like there was a promo on this episode of Power where he just straight up ripped off one of Chris Jericho's old uh, catchphrases. I don't know why they aired that. I think they should make him do another take if that happens, because uh, makes him look stupid and doesn't do him any favors. Um, low rent carny bullshit on Billy Corgan's show. What a surprise! In any case, the match was 2.25. It was pretty dull for a junior heavyweight championship match. All these matches are just... You know, it's like Billy Corgan knows that NWA's style of wrestling is supposed to be slow, but he doesn't particularly know why. So he's just kind of like emulating a thing that he thinks is going to work just because that's the way it's always been. And it's like... You're probably way better suited to just making this product different, because this sucks. (laughs) 2.25. Moving on. We go to AEW Dark, which opened with Pat Buck versus Juice Robinson. What a a manly match. I feel like this match put more chest hair on me. Uh, If you could... If you could drink Pat Buck versus Juice Robinson, it would taste like whiskey and cigars. Uh, in any case, pretty hard-hitting, uh, stiff, manly brawl, uh, 2.75, decent opener, to be honest. After that, the Renegades, Charlotte and Robin, took on Brittany J and Kaya Dream. A pretty quick Renegade squash, just reminding you that they're here and that they're kind of like a mid-level women's tag team. Um, yeah, I've seen better from them, uh, but this was, you know, fine, 2.5. Uh, after that, Hunter James took on Cole Carter. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get it, they're both two handsome young men, but, uh, this match was pretty dull, on the verge of being bad. I gave it a 2 out of 5, and I honestly couldn't tell you what happened in it other than they showed up and were both really handsome, Okay. Moving on, Iron Savages, Bronson and Boulder took on Jeeves K and Sunny Kiss. Always love seeing Sunny Kiss, and, you know, Iron Savages are all right. Uh, This was a decently entertaining match. 2.75 out of 5 is what I gave it. Uh, Just needs more Sunny Kiss in AEW in general. Uh, They're so talented. After that, Dream Girl Ellie took on Marina Shafir. Oh, shit. Well, (laughs) you're, you're, you're donezo, I guess. Uh, love me some Marina Shafir squashes. This has been uh, an ongoing thing for this show. I think she's spectacular at this type of match. Uh, three out of five, which is very high praise for something so short and uh, and and so one-sided. But she just does such a great job of it. She looks so dominant. Uh, if they can figure out how to translate this into a longer match that pays off, Marina Shafir could be an absolute fucking star. She's she's amazing. Three out of five. After that, Jora Joel and Rohit Raju took on Ariel Levy and Jared Diaz. I feel like this match was very Jora Joel heavy and not very much Rohit Raju, uh, which sucks because I haven't seen much of him in uh, AEW as of late. I almost wonder if he's dealing with an injury or something, because uh, that would explain why he wasn't doing most of the wrestling in this match. Uh, in any case, your main event, which you heard a little bit of in the beginning of this episode, Angelico versus Christopher Daniels. 
Um, you know, honestly, I feel like rewind the clock back like five years and this match could absolutely rip. But I feel like, you know, both these guys, uh, most exciting days are maybe behind them. And this uh, didn't quite uh, pop for me. It was a 2.5, you know, decent average, um, but not the best main event for Dark that I've seen. And honestly, Dark kind of underperformed along with Elevation this week. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a while since there's been a real exciting match on there. Uh, in any case, it's a free YouTube show. What do you want? Moving on to NXT, which opened with a triple threat tag team championship bout. Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang took on the Dyad, Rip Fowler, and Jagger Reed, who apparently want out of their WWE contracts. And the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus Creed. Um, yeah, honestly, this match was pretty awesome. Uh, the Dyad and the Creed brothers are both excellent teams, and Gallus are okay. Good for doing big, beefy man stuff. Uh, they're a good heel tag team to have, you know, your babyface team chase them. In any case, this was a pretty action-packed tag title match. Very, very uh, hot opening to this show. I would have been happy to have this on pretty much any opener. Uh, yeah, good stuff. 3.5. From there, a returning Noam Dar took on Miles Bourne in a pretty forgettable affair. It's nice to see Noam Dar back, but this one didn't have much to go on. 2.5 for me. Then Zoe Stark took on Roxanne Perez in a pretty decent encounter. I feel like Zoe Stark is like one of the uh, NXT women's wrestlers who's like really starting to get it. Um, I feel like you can see her creative mind working a little more in, in some of these matches. And with an opponent like Roxanne Perez, who really knows what she's doing, because uh, she's like the only one in that division who has any indie experience, um, this ended up being a pretty enjoyable match. 3.25, not quite good enough to recommend, but uh, still a welcome addition on this show. Uh, and then after that, Gigi Dolan took on Cora Jade in uh, a much less impressive women's match. Um, didn't have nearly the amount of chemistry that the previous two women had. And I feel like putting these matches one after another kind of exposed the second one. In any case, it was a 2.5. Uh, not bad, but just average. Then Dijak took on Apollo Crews in a uh, pretty exciting bombastic brawl which you can expect from Dijak these days um i feel like both these guys had the potential to put on something really special uh but this one was just good um maybe they're planning on doing more later but it seems like Dijak might be moving on to bigger things and anyway in any case um this was a pretty enjoyable match three out of five and then you are main event for the nxt north american championship wesley versus charlie dempsey Oh, man, Dempsey is so good. He's so good. They shouldn't call him that, though. They should call him Charles Regal because it's very obvious who his dad is. Um, he is a spitting image of William Regal. It's utterly ridiculous. He has the mannerisms. He has the facial expressions. He has the style of wrestling down like, oh, I don't know, like he's been watching William Regal matches his whole life. Uh, this was a really, really excellent singles match. Very, very good main event. Both these guys are creative, dynamic. They have a very... You, it's hard to say unique style when Charlie Dempsey is like a carbon copy of his dad, but that's fine. We don't have William Regal wrestling anymore, so this is this is great. There's a smaller one of him now? Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, Charlie Dempsey, the fucking sky is the limit for that guy. 
and I really, really hope that WWE, you know, gives him the opportunity to really hone his craft because he's the type of wrestler who needs to wrestle a lot of good wrestlers so that he can improve and continue building his skills. Um, matches like this are, are where he's going to get that for sure, but hopefully WWE can continue that and he doesn't end up wasting some of his prime years wrestling subpar matches on, you know, level up or whatever. They have something real special with that guy, and I, I really hope that they pull through and and get something special out of it. 3.75, really good NXT this week. Some really outstanding matches and some that were, you know, better than the average that you can expect from them. But now it's time to light the fuse and drink the boom. It's dynamite. Uh, we open with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, coming to a uh, hero's welcome in her hometown of Pittsburgh, uh, along with Jamie Hayter versus... Ruby Soho and Tony Storm of the Outcasts. Uh, love that they're doing absolutely everything to avoid Soraya wrestling. This was an okay tag match. Um, I feel like until they get some like tables and shit and maybe a bit of blood, this uh, this feud's gonna f- feel kind of ho hum. But uh, I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be a, a lights out match coming pretty soon down the pipe, or possibly blood and guts. We'll see. Uh, in any case, this was a 2.75, pretty decent opener, but nothing too special. After that, for the TNT Championship, Powerhouse Hobbs took on Wardlow. Um, <clears throat> this was a pretty entertaining bout, nothing too special that I'm going to be remembering for uh, a long time in the future, but, you know, a fun TV match and uh, a pretty decent title change overall. Uh, three out of five, hopefully this is the start of Wardlow getting back on track Although this also does mean that uh, Powerhouse Hobbs' push is already stumbling. That's great. Uh, anyways, on to Jay White versus Commander. Um, yeah, it was better than I expected, honestly. I really don't like Jay White, and I do feel like the parts of a Commander match that are enjoyable were dampened a little bit by, by him and his wrestling. But uh, this was still an okay match. It was 3.25, had some good spots. Um, just, yeah, he's not for me, and I'm really bummed he's in AEW, because i got to watch him way more often now. After that, the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, along with Daddy Ass, took on the Jericho Appreciation Society's Jake Hager, Angelo Parker, and Matt Menard. Um, yeah, the acclaimed are a lot of fun, and, you know, the parts of this match where they were interacting with the crowd and getting everyone, you know, excited... Uh, those were entertaining, but uh, overall this match was just okay and didn't have a whole lot of uh, memorable uh, meat to really chew on. Three out of five altogether. And your main events in the uh, Four Pillars mini tournament to determine MJF's number one contender, Jungle Boy Jack Perry took on Sammy Guevara. Interesting that out of all the uh, four pillars of AEW, this is the only one-on-one match between them that hasn't happened already. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, Jungle Boy and Sammy are, are both pretty solid wrestlers, and I feel like they didn't rely too much on crazy spots in this match, which I did appreciate. Um, but yeah, there were still some very crazy spots and some insane bumps that you can kind of expect from a big Sammy match. His character sucks so bad, but, uh, you know, he does deliver in ring, and that, I think that is a saving grace for Sammy Guevara. If they can figure out how to have him not have go-away heat, they might really have something here. But, overall, not a terrible Dynamite, but, uh, kind of got showed up by NXT, which is unfortunate. Uh, I, I feel like... 
AEW dropped the ball a little bit this week. This this was a weak showing from them. But, uh, you know, we'll see about next week. We've got uh, a Kenny Omega Takeshita match. That's going to be bonkers. I'm ahead of myself, though. Let's uh, get back to Ring of Honor on Honor Club. This one opened with The Kingdom, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett versus Action Andretti and Darius Martin. It was an okay tag match. I don't love The Kingdom. I don't love Andretti. And he clearly, you know, obviously isn't going to tag as well with him as he would his brother Dante. But this was still an okay match. 2.75. After that, Robin Renegade took on Willow Nightingale. Um, This one... Pretty short, uh, didn't get too long of a chance to really uh, endear Willow to the crowd, but, you know, everyone loves her, and it's great seeing her. Um, Yeah, this was just a 2.5, nothing wrong with it, but nothing particularly special either. Uh, Lance Archer clobbered Jossie after that. I do like, um, it's pretty hype when his music comes on and he just, like, throws his opponent down the ramp. it, it gets a pop, but his matches are not great after that point. 2.25. Brian Cage took on Joey Jett in a match that I honestly can't tell you anything about. It was very forgettable. Two out of five. I feel like Joey Jett was pretty over with the local crowd, but yeah, that's about all I can remember about this one. Next, in a proving ground match for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship, Athena took on Heather Reckless. Um, Athena, obviously, one of the best things about AEW slash Ring of Honor right now. Uh, you know, kind of more of the same. This wasn't a standout match for her, but just the fact that we get a solid Athena match, you know, sometimes two times a week, is uh, pretty good stuff. This was a three out of five. Uh, moving on to Cole Carter and Lee Johnson versus John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Uh yeah, again, pretty average match. I, I can't remember any spots from it, but, you know, it was just the usual Silver and Reynolds fair. Penta El Zero Miedo took on Nick Camarado after this. Um, this one was pretty fast-paced, and I feel like, um, unless I'm mistaking it with a another Camarado match uh, later on this week... No, this was the one. Um, yeah, so he got kind of like rocked in this match and looked kind of shaken up by the end of it and I kind of liked that it made Penta look real strong uh, but this was just a 2.5 oh shit we're in the banger section of this episode man <laughs> Kanosuke Takeshita versus Lee Moriarty two of my absolute favorite young wrestlers uh, these two had a lovely technical bout that you know is kind of Lee's specialty and, and Takeshita really fits that style as well um, so some very smooth chain wrestling and they were able to uh, get a decent reaction out of the crowd as well, which is often or a, a tall order for uh, you know a grappling match. Um, but this was very entertaining. Both guys are super charismatic and likable, even if Lee is uh, is a heel, and he's doing some decent heel work. I like that he's really like developing his heel character. Um, yeah, this was an excellent match. Four out of five. Check it out uh, if you have a chance, because it's worth seeing. And then after that, we have another El Hijo del Vikingo match, this time against Gringo Loco. I feel like this one was announced pretty short notice. Just, oh shit, we can have Vikingo versus Gringo on the show. Let's just do it. Uh, Yeah, pretty excellent lucha match. You can see why Gringo Loco gets so much love from a lot of luchadors. He's a fantastic base, uh, and clearly they trust him a lot, and he knows his shit. 
Um, yeah, very spectacular, high-flying match, jaw-dropping spots, crowd was on fire. Um, another one you should go out of your way to see, a spectacular one-two punch from Ring of Honor here. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we have to uh, slow it down a little bit before the main event. Logan Lynch and Ren Jones got flattened by the Iron Savages in a pretty average affair, 2.5 from me. And then the main event for the ROH World Championship, Samoa Joe versus Colt Cabana. I like that Samoa Joe... Oh, shit, that's not for the World Championship. That's for the Television Championship. I heard that wrong. What do you expect, folks? It aired on 420. Uh, so, yes, for the Ring of Honor Television Championship, um, I like that Samoa Joe can have a main event title match, and, you know, it's fine if it's short. He's Samoa Joe. You know, he should destroy Colt Cabana in seconds. Um, yeah, solid match. A decent one to cap off this show, but far from the best match on the card. Uh, three out of five from me. Uh, a little bit of a lopsided ROH uh, this time. There were some matches that really didn't do it for me, but, you know, the Takeshita Moriarty and Vikingo Loco matches, <laughs> good shit, and you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching Ring of Honor. Over for more really excellent wrestling, it's time for Impact, and we are opening with Time Machine, Chris Sabin, Alex Shelley, and Kushida versus Trey Miguel, Jonathan Gresham, and Speedball Mike Bailey. Fuck yes. Um, I've been saying throughout the last couple of months that the Jonathan Gresham, Speedball Mike Bailey feud has been one of the best things in wrestling. The only problem is, is that their singles matches have never blown my mind, but... Anytime you take literally just one to four extra guys and stick them in this feud, suddenly you have fucking magic, because this match was awesome. I mean, what do you expect? It's the Machine Guns and Kushida versus three of the absolute best in-ring wrestlers that Impact has. I feel like Lance Storm is booking Impact like I would book Impact. Like, you have all these great wrestlers, just have them put on great matches. And, you know, you don't even really have to have them do promos that often because the idea of this match sells itself. It's just nonstop action, incredibly smooth wrestlers who know each other very well and work together so seamlessly. Honestly, if, if you want to be a pro wrestler, I think you owe it to yourself to study the Motor City Machine Guns and how they move and how they like carry themselves in the ring. Like, just watch how Chris Sabin just holds his his body when the match starts and how he's like bouncing from toe to toe you know he looks like he's in a fighting game that kind of shit is important because if i see you walking around the ring like you're a normal person who just happens to be wearing a goofy costume and you know trying to struggle through a wrestling match it's it's so not believable when i see chris saban you know ready to wrestle i'm like oh that's a pro wrestler that's somebody who has if I had to look at him, I'd be like, oh yeah, he's probably done this for like 30 years. <laughs> um, in any case, I can't say enough good things about everyone in this match. You should really check it out. It's the opening match of Impact. It takes up like half the show. You really don't even have to watch the rest of it. Go out of your way, see this one. It's so good. 4.25. Um, again, the Machine Guns and Gresham and Speedball are taking up a lot of slots on my match of the year list because they just create magic. It's so good. Moving on to Alicia Edwards versus Tara Rising. Uh, it's cool seeing, uh, seeing Taylor. I've uh, seen her wrestle a couple of times, I believe. Uh, and 
this was unfortunately a pretty short and unmemorable squash other than that. Uh, 2.25 from me. Then Moose took on Yuya Uemura in a uh, pretty entertaining brawl. Yuya has a lot of charisma, and uh, Moose is just, you know, a fucking physical specimen, of the likes of which I've never seen. Uh, he's not the, you know, cleanest wrestler, and, you know, not, you know, the the best grappler or anything, but if you're a guy that tall with legs that long, you can figure something out. Uh, 3.25, I was actually kind of surprised how good this one was. Uh, and then Frankie Kazarian took on the good hands, John Schuyler and Jason Hotch in a two-on-one handicap match. This one was pretty good, and I feel like it, it achieved making Frankie Kazarian look like a big deal, because after he came from AEW, his prestige had dipped quite a bit, and fans weren't really that psyched to see him. Uh, matches like this really do make it seem like, oh, there's there's a reason Frankie Kazarian is here. He's a big deal in Impact. Uh, 2.75, an okay match, but um, did what it set out to do, which is good. And then for the Impact Digital Media Championship, Joe Hendry took on Sheldon Jean. Um, Jean has been having a bunch of appearances on Impact lately, and he's pretty impressive. Um, Joe Hendry, one of my favorite, like entertainer style wrestlers i would say uh he's just so charismatic he's so fun like even just him cracking a goofy smile in 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 the match just brings so much joy to me i just love watching the guy and uh, i think he's got a very bright future ahead of him three out of five for the match uh, certainly not bad and a fine main event, um, but yeah it's, uh, joe hendry's smile did a lot of heavy lifting in this one then over to WWE SmackDown for uh, the Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus the Latino World Order, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. Uh, now that the LWO is a thing, I'm pretty sure they, tro- they told uh, Javier Barnell to fuck off back to NXT, which sucks for him. Uh, but Rey and Santos are taping now, and that's cool. Um, this was actually a pretty entertaining tag bout. Um, you, I guess you could call it a party match. Damien Priest and Finn Balor are, of course, the uh, the best duo of uh, Judgment Day, and Finn did a lot of work in this match, so, you know, Finn and Ray, and Santos as well, you know, you got a good base there for a good match, and this ended up being pretty solid overall. 3.25, hot opener, um, worth checking out. After that, Braun Strowman and Ricochet took on the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar, Smash White Supremacy, um... Yeah, Braun and Ricochet are becoming a good tag team. I feel like they didn't gel as good in this match. They had a, a couple of moments where they fucked up, especially... <laughs> so there were two big fuck-ups in the beginning of SmackDown. In this match, uh, Braun tried to, like, yeet Ricochet off the top rope at one of the Viking Raiders, and he ended up just basically spiking him into the ground. <laughs> like, he completely missed the other guy and just picked up his partner and just fucking threw him on the floor that was great um and then previously in the um the judgment day match um santos was trying to like slingshot ray out of the ropes and it was supposed to be like uh damian priest pulls finn out of the way in time so that uh ray misses him the problem is is that they pulled him away way too fast so Ray is approaching the ropes, and Finn is already, like, on the other side of the, of the ringside area. He's so far away. So it just makes it look like Santos is a fucking idiot and just, like, throwing Ray Mysterio at nothing. 
um, it was very goofy, and I laughed out loud. Thankfully, it, it didn't fuck up that match too much. Um, I do think the Braun Strowman and Ricochet one did kind of fuck up their match, uh, and that mu- that one was a two point seven five. It was fine, but I've seen this one so many fucking times. Like, are these guys feuding? What is what is happening here? What are the stakes? Like, what is this leading to? Both teams are losing prestige the more times they they fight each other because they're not doing anything other than spinning their fucking wheels. You have a good thing with Strowman and Ricochet here, so, like, give them more stuff to do. Stop showing me the same match over and over again. Ay. Well, we have more tag team action for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Liv Morgan and Raquel Gonzalez took on Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Oh, God, more booking complaints incoming. So, <laughs> Rousey and, and fucking Baszler win the four-way match at WrestleMania, and then are not number one contenders. Liv Morgan and Raquel Gonzalez, who lost at WrestleMania, immediately get a title shot and win the tag team championship. Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, who lost at WrestleMania, are now number one contenders and are getting, you know, like multiple tag title shots. Where are Ronda and Shayna? (laughs) Like, all you're telling me is that this belt doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's top of the division, it doesn't matter who's the best tag team. This belt just goes to whoever's convenient enough to hold it at the moment. And right now, Liv and Raquel have nothing to do. So put the tag title on them and continuously have them wrestle other women who have nothing to do. This is fucking garbage, and it doesn't make any sense. And whenever I see a women's tag match nowadays, I'm like, well, turn my fucking brain off because there's no stakes they're fighting over a belt that means nothing. It's just it's really frustrating because there's like an obvious answer here is build up uh, Rhonda and Shayna, and they're just not going to do that, and they're just not even going to be on TV. Um, what the fuck is this division? What the fuck is the point of this title? I can see why Mercedes left. <sighs> Ooh, but I don't believe my wizard eyes. We have a WWE Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, my boy Gunther versus Xavier Woods. This was um, a pretty decent Gunther match. Uh, definitely seen better this year, but I feel like what the problem was is that it had sort of like 50-50 booking. Like Gunther kind of clobbered Xavier for a while. And it was all, you know, really basic kind of time-wasty stuff, which is fine from Gunther because he's, he's a very basic wrestler, but he does all the basic stuff really, really well. But that just wasn't very exciting. And then the exciting part of the match was when Xavier got his momentum back and then was just dominating Gunther. So the match was good, but I feel like it didn't particularly do either guy a lot of favors. It didn't feel like a Gunther title defense and it felt like they were trying to make you think that Xavier was, was going to win. And, I don't know, after everything Gunther's done lately, I feel like Xavier is the kind of wrestler who should maybe uh, lose a little more decisively. In any case, it was a 3.25, a pretty decent match. I was happy to see it, but, um, you know, they could have done a lot better on this. And finally, your main event, no disqualification. We got Matt Riddle versus <laughs> Solo Sokoa. Um, yeah, dude's had so many main events, it's ridiculous, and I don't think he's, uh, well, no, I guess he has won quite a few of them. 
in any case, he's just he's the D'Lo Brown of uh, the Bloodline, and we've established that. But uh, D'Lo Brown didn't main event this often. In any case, this was a decent enough brawl. Nothing too special. I can't remember a whole lot of particular parts about it, other than you know uh, it happening and Solo being in another mid main event. Um, it was fine. It was two point seven five. It ended in you know run-ins and shenanigans and you know yeah i'm gonna move on there's not a whole lot to say about it and honestly my enthusiasm for matt riddle has waned so much but over to gcw now for into the lights uh which opened with oh actually there was a a big multi-person tag i skipped that and uh, I also skipped the Los Macizos match because, uh, you know, I find uh, hardcore tags to be pretty boring. In any case, uh, Brogan Finlay and Adam Priest was the first match I wanted, watched on this show. And this was one of those matches where I feel like if they just made it shorter and a little more fast-paced and, you know, didn't waste so much time trying to have, like, a, an epic encounter, uh, it would have been a lot better of a match because this was just a pretty average bout. Um, there were a lot of sequences that were a little janky and a little messy that kept this from being like a 2.75 for me. So not a great opener, 2.5. But then again, maybe the multi-man tag was great and I just didn't watch it. Um, I I should maybe start doing that because I did watch the scramble on the second GCW show this weekend and that was pretty good. We'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, moving on. Cole Radrick took on Shigehiro Irie, um... I love Cole Radrick, you know, he's, the the crowd obviously loves him, and I get the impression he does a lot of horrible things to his body in hardcore matches, um, but, you know, Shiggy was only able to drag him to a three, and Irie is one of, you know, those excellent, unique wrestlers that can usually drag almost anyone to a great match, so this one was alright, but, uh, you know, I maybe would have had Irie wrestle somebody else. Three out of five from me. Uh, after that, Tony Deppen took on Brian Keith. This was a pretty entertaining uh, back-and-forth brawl. Tony Deppen obviously being a real piece of shit in this one, but Brian Keith is a very beloved uh, wrestler for GCW, so some good heat on this one. 3.25. I feel like it could have uh, maybe pushed it a little more, and I could definitively recommend it, but you know, still a pretty good match on this show. Then we have Mike Jackson, action Mike Jackson, the 73-year-old man from Impact Wrestling, or however old he is, versus Blake Christian. Um, you know, th- this was this was fine. It was fun. Uh, it's it, it's he's an old man. What do you, what do you expect from me? Uh, there's just not a whole lot of crazy shit that they can do in this match, and I feel like you know that's Blake Christian's forte is doing you know crazy flashy stuff that no one else does but in any case it was a 2.5 not bad but just you know he's 73 moving on uh speedball mike bailey took on alex zane the sauce uh alex zane looks like like a new metal colonel sanders (laughs) he's definitely got an interesting look um yeah, this was a pretty decent match. Not the best speedball match I've seen uh, this year or even this month. Um, I feel like it wasted a little too much time brawling around the crowd. Uh, and, and, you know, that was kind of like the opening few minutes of this match. I feel like just 
cut that part out and this would have been a lot better. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, they wanted to get the crowd hyped up, but I feel like a Speedball versus Alex Zane match, just just wrestle and the crowd will love that. Uh, 3.25, pretty good. Kind of wish it was better. Uh, after that, for the GCW Tag Team Championships, the East-West Express, Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver took on the Workhorsemen, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry. I love that the Workhorsemen are getting a lot of indie bookings. They're a fantastic tag team and will pretty much brighten up any show that they're on. Uh, this was a really, really good tag bout. Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver kind of just got their asses kicked for most of it, and you just got to see the Workhorsemen work, and that is pretty fucking good stuff. Anthony Henry is just an incredibly creative wrestler. He's just clearly so experienced and has a million and one ideas, and he's the type of guy who should be wrestling Nick Wayne all the time. Uh, and, and Jordan Oliver. Like, young guys like them should be having matches like this, and it was... Uh, very A very good experience overall. 3.75 for this one. Easily the match of the night. Uh, after that, Arez, Gringo Loco, and Jack Cartwheel took on Thrussy, Effie, Alley Catch, and Dark Sheik. Um, this wasn't a hardcore six-band tag. This was just like a straight wrestling match. <laughs> straight wrestling match with Thrussy. <laughs> um, so th- this was actually a little better than uh, some of the usual bussy, thrussy fair, um, which I'm usually not crazy about. Um, this one had some fun spots, some fun sequences, and, you know, Effie and, and Dark Sheik and Alley Catch are all very uh, charismatic wrestlers. I liked that uh, Alley Catch can't really do a, a nip-up because her ass is too big, so when she managed to do one, she was like, okay, I'm tagging out, there's no way I'm topping that. That was pretty funny. And then your main event, pfft, shit, once again, El Hijo del Vikingo versus Commander. Uh, they're kind of doing like the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens thing, where they just have great chemistry, love wrestling each other, so lots of companies are like, shit, bring that over here, just run it back. I feel like we'll have seen these two wrestle a lot uh, over the next couple of years. But in any case, it's always good stuff. 3.5 for this one. Uh, Lots of cool spots. I feel like they definitely scaled it back quite a bit for a GCW show. But still, uh, really, really great high-flying wrestling here. Um, Definitely check this one out. 3.5. Excellent main event. Then we go back over to NXT for a quick shot of Level Up. Uh, it opened with a women's tag, Valentina Ferois and Wendy Chu versus Jakara Jackson and Lash Legend. Um, happy to say that this one was actually fairly decent. Uh, didn't waste any time. Lash Legend and uh, Jakara Jackson both looked very powerful, very strong. Um, not a whole lot of fuck-ups, like... Yeah, for an NXT level-up match, this was pretty excellent. Um, for a regular match, this was, you know, just okay. There was nothing particularly wrong with it. Uh, 2.75. After that, Oro Mensa took on Damon Kemp. Mensa had a couple of good moves. He's definitely very athletic, and uh, I feel like there's potential for him to really figure it out. Damon Kemp, though, ugh, I don't know. There's just nothing particularly that special about him. Because, like, okay, my problem with Damon Kemp is that I just can't take him seriously as a wrestler because he was hired by WWE because of his brother, who is much more famous in the amateur wrestling world. Um, But his brother's a rapist. Uh, His brother should not have a job. Uh, He should be working construction somewhere at best or, you know, ideally in prison. And that's not Damon Kemp's fault. For all I know, he's a great guy. But, 
you know, he has this job because of nepotism over a guy who never should have been considered in the first place. And considering that Damon Kemp is like really subpar and lackluster and has a terrible look and doesn't get a response from the crowd, I just, nah, I just feel like, yeah, I don't know if you should be here, man. Like he's, he's okay. He might get good, but, uh, the whole situation just leaves a sour taste in my mouth and it makes me, Every time I see Damon Kemp, I think about how they had to pass a law so that guys like his brother don't get away with rape anymore, and that's really terrible, and we shouldn't have to be talking about this on a wrestling podcast, but hence we are. Uh, yeah, Gable Steveson needs to fuck off. I read an article a couple days ago, actually, saying that the reason he hasn't debuted is not because of the... <laughs> Like, not even allegations, just the fact that he raped a woman. Like, that's not the reason he hasn't debuted. Apparently the reason is, he just sucks. He's been training for, like, over a year, and apparently he's not good enough to debut. (sighs) Cut these fuckers loose, and wash your hands of this, and maybe look like reasonable, decent human beings for once, WWE. Jesus Christ. Anyways, rant over. I'm gonna move on. Uh, Edris Sanofe and Malik Blade versus Javier Bernal and Kale Dixon was a pretty pointless and lackluster tag match. Not a whole lot happened that was um, particularly exciting, and it was over pretty quick. Two out of five. All right. Over to AEW Rampage now, which opened with Christopher Daniels versus John Moxley. Yet another match of Christopher Daniels where I feel like, yeah, wind back the clock five years and this could have been a lot better. But it was still decent three out of five. Um, you know, a, a welcome opener to a Rampage. Can't complain. Uh, after that, Kira Hogan took on Julia Hart. Um, I anticipated something pretty dreadful, but this actually ended up being just all right. Uh, didn't overstay its welcome, and, uh, you know, had some things to appreciate about it. So it was a 2.5, uh, better than it could have been. Uh, after that, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and FTR, Dex Harwood, and Cash Wheeler took on Slim J and the Varsity Athletes, Ari Davari, Josh Woods, and Tony Nice. Um, this is a weird match. I feel like Jeff Jarrett and FTR would be great. Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and FTR? Fuck off. Um, you know me, I don't like Jay Jay Lethal, that's just my thing. Uh, and the weird thing about this match is that the varsity athletes were absent for a weird amount of time. Like, they got knocked off the ring and just didn't come back for a long time, and Slim Jay just got his ass kicked for a long stretch. Um, this match wasn't terrible, but... Yeah, I, I, I struggled to, uh, find a whole lot of things to like about it, so it was a 2.75, it was fine. And then your main event for the AAA Mega Championship. Holy shit, once again, El Hijo del Vikingo versus Dralistico. Vikingo is definitely uh, the workhorse of the week here, just wrestling an absurd amount of matches. Uh, and this was a pretty solid high-flying match to boot. Uh, 3.75 for me, not Vikingo's best showing since he uh, showed up uh, in mainstream American wrestling, but... Man, the guy's fun to watch. Uh, keep doing stuff like this, and, and, and I will be glued to the screen. Uh, yeah, 3.75, a fine main event, and just barely makes it so that AEW was equal with WWE in, in ring this week. And that's fucked up. That shouldn't happen. 
Um, I'm really hoping for some, some better overall shows from AEW because there were some good matches this week, but what I worry is is that ROH is where all the bangers are going to go, and uh, Dynamite and Rampage are, are going to have a lot more mediocre weeks. We'll see. I'm hoping that's not the case. Uh, in any case, we're moving on to Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom. Um, I didn't watch the pre-show, uh, and I skipped like the rumble and stuff, but... Uh, Dropped in with the uh, opening tag about Azumi and May Saruga versus May Sarah and Starlight Kid. Uh, both teams get a May. That's nice. Um, this was a very fast-paced and uh, hard-hitting tag bout. The kind of thing you would expect from uh, Azumi and Starlight Kid, who are uh, you know fierce rivals at this point. Uh, yeah, hot opener was uh, very uh, easy to watch. 3.25, uh, and as always, Stardom is graded on such a high curve. If this showed up on NXT, I'd be shitting my pants. Uh, after that, another tag bout. Fuwa-chan and Hazuki versus Queen's Quest, Miyu Amasaki and Utami Hayashista. Uh, God, I hope I got that one right. Uh, honestly, I feel like this was kind of poorly placed on this card, because um, having one tag match right after the other, and this one was significantly slower than the Azumi Starlight Kid match. I, I feel like maybe exposed it a little too much. Uh, 2.75, it was fine, but after a much better tag bout, this one kind of felt a little lackluster. After that, Himeka versus Mika, her uh, former tag partner in Himeka's retirement match. Um, I can see they were going for kind of like a, an epic singles match, um, you know, like a dramatic struggle sort of deal and that's kind of par for the course for a lot of stardom singles matches and and i i'm not crazy about that particular type of match so this one left a little bit to be desired but it was still a fine send-off for himika and uh, not a bad match by any stretch of the imagination but just a little long and and not quite as as uh, fun and bombastic as a lot of the other stuff on this card 2.75 then for the Goddess of Stardom Championship, the Neo Stardom Army, Nene Takahashi, and Yu took on Amisore and Mirai of God's Eye. Um, this was another alright tag bout. I feel like I've seen better from both teams, so that's why I was kind of surprised that this one just didn't really feel like it got off the ground. Because, um, you know, it had a, a, a bit of high spots, a bit of brawling, um... Yeah, I feel like this this match was just a mix, mixed bag and didn't end up on a particularly impressive note for a stardom tag title match. So just 2.75 for me, which is a bit of a bummer. I really like you. Um, after that, for the Artists of Stardom Championship, Prominence, Hiragi Karumi, Risa Sera, and Suzu Suzuki took on Restart, Kairi, Natsupoi, and Sayori Anu. Um... I feel like a lot of people really loved this match. Um, I liked it quite a bit, and I, I would recommend it. It's a 3.5. But I don't feel like it quite uh, resonated with me as it did for a lot of folks. Uh, however, this was still a really excellent match. Prominence is is really fun, and this new team of Restart uh, seems quite uh, capable of putting on uh, a solid trios match. Um, you know, it's got Kyrie and Natsupoi. That's all you really need. They're both excellent. Um, so yeah, this was a 3.5. It was a good match. Um, and it was the start of one of the most insane stretches of any show I've seen this year. And, and we're about to get into that. But uh, 
yeah, good stuff. Check it out, but not the highlight of the show for me. That's about to happen right now. So starting with the Wonder of Stardom Championship, Saya Kamitami took on Mina Shirakawa, who's becoming more and more popular in stardom. Uh, this was quite an excellent title defense. I feel like Saya's uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship matches have appeared on my Match of the Year list a couple of times. Um, none of them have ever been, you know, incredibly memorable that are going to be on the on the forefront of my mind come the end of the year. Um, but they've always been really excellent matches, and this was no exception. Um, just really great striking, really great technical wrestling. It's Joshi. What you know? What do you expect? It was a good Joshi match. <laughs> there was nothing uh, particularly mind blowing about it, but still, it's like such a high level of quality and there were multiple times that this match really popped me so yeah four out of five go out of your way to see it uh and then stay tuned immediately after because you have siuri versus chihiro hashimoto who is quickly becoming one of my absolute favorite wrestlers she is so fucking cool you know just an absolute tank of a wrestler like a tiny fucking jeff cobb uh, yeah, this was a knockout or submission only match, so very, very hard hitting. There were some spots that were like stomach churning and how brutal they were. I don't want to see shoot headbutts. Please stop. Please, 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 please. I don't like hearing that thump. No, ew, gross. No, 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 no. Um, but otherwise, this match was just fucking radical, beating the shit out of each other. I feel like this was the first misstep. In booking on this show, I wouldn't have had Hashimoto lose this. I, I don't know much about Sayuri's like prestige and clout in stardom. I know she's been around for a long time, and and she's probably one of their their big uh, important stars. But Hashimoto was on such a roll, and I I would have had her continue that and win this match and lead it up to you know uh, something real real big. Uh, but this was still an excellent match. Another 4 out of 5. Go out of your way to see it. After that, for the IWGP Women's Championship. Oh, shit. Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Awatani in a literal dream match for me. Uh, when I first started becoming aware of Joshi, one of my favorite matches is between Mayu and Io Shirai. And I remember watching that match thinking, God, I would love for both of these women to wrestle Sasha. And now... It's happening in Yokohama Arena, like in stardom. It's just so fucking cool. Um, and honestly, seeing Mercedes Monet in Japan makes me really happy. It seems like she's having fun and is clearly like putting a lot of care and love and creativity into her presentation and her matches and the way she's presenting herself to, to the Japanese fans. Uh, it's very clear that she loves this stuff very, very much and is a huge fucking nerd. And, you know, people acted like she was going to turn tail and run back to WWE the first chance she got, but it sounds like she's staying for a while. And matches like this make me realize it really is a passion thing for her. And she's in Japan to hone her craft and prove that she's one of the best. And that's that's where you do it as a women's wrestler. Um, I have so much respect for what she's doing, and I think it's it's the right call for her career. Um, this match wasn't as good as the triple threat from uh, Sakura Genesis, but oh man, like they came out of here with so many memorable spots, with so many creative bits that only these two would have had in an encounter together. Uh, Mercedes is it's such a good 
character in Ring. She's really good at making her um, gestures and, you know, the stuff she says very larger than life. So, you know, everyone gets it. Um, and I think that's smart for in kind of introducing herself to Japan because there's a lot of fans there that I'm sure know who she was coming into this but probably hadn't really seen her work. So there's just so much to pick over with this match. It's it's a really um, a fascinating thing that we're getting a, a mercedes Monet mayu Iwatani match. Um, again, I don't know if I agree with the booking here. I feel like... It's it's bananas that Mercedes lost. Um, this is kind of the only person who should beat her, but, oh man, I would have had her hold on to that belt a little longer, personally. The only thing I can think of is that perhaps this is making room for her to challenge Jamie Hayter at Forbidden Door? I don't know, but um, this match was great. I, I feel like the ending is a little bit of a bummer, but it seems like Mercedes not isn't leaving and we have a lot to look forward to. And this is the kind of match where the fans win more than anyone else. And finally, your main event for the World of Stardom Championship, Julia versus Tam Nakano. Um, I haven't really liked a lot of Julia uh, title defenses that I've seen. I feel like she relies a little too much on brawling around in the crowd. And if you've been listening to the show, you know how little I enjoy that. Um... Yeah, I feel like her matches just fill up too much time with stuff that isn't very interesting to me. Thankfully, um, this match, Tam Nakano was in a lot more control of it, and the brawling out of the ring that they did do was mostly on the entrance ramp. So, like, the spots were connected a little better, and it didn't feel like, you know, they were just, like, walking and brawling. They had a, a plan, they went out there and did it, and then it kind of moved back to the ring, and I, I really appreciated that. It made this match a lot better for me, because I feel like Julia's whole thing is she can do the Joshi stuff, she can do the Gaijin stuff, and because of her heritage, that's a very understandable way to do it. You know, she wrestles like she's not from Japan. Um, she wrestles like like a white wrestler. Um, and that's fine, and, you know, that's been, like, the story of a lot of Puro for years, you know, it's a staple of the genre, is the, the gaijin wrestler. Um, but I feel like when you have a match like this where Julia is forced to wrestle the Joshi style, uh, not only does it show her off better as, as a good Joshi competitor, but it also makes the match a whole lot better. How about that? Because um, Tam dragged Julia to the best match I've seen of her so far, and I feel like now that she lost her title, I can finally see why she was uh, their choice for champion. I just don't know if uh, she's really been utilized to her best uh, capabilities. But in any case, this was still a really good match and an excellent main event. And holy shit, four matches that I rated four out of five in a row. This never happened before on this show, and I'm, I'd be shocked if it happened again. Um, this is one of the best, most consistent cards I've seen. I mean, there's a couple of low points, but they're, none of them were particularly bad and compare them to, you know, something on American TV, they were pretty excellent. Um, so I think if you care about women's wrestling in any way, shape or form, you kind of owe it to yourself to check out this show. It's, it's insane. The standard of quality that stardom is able to put on that i feel like when i'm judging them i have to throw wrenches into the mix and and handicap them a little bit because 
and just be rating them so much higher than a lot of other wrestling. But uh, yeah, All Star Grand Queendom was an incredible show with five really, really incredible matches that uh, every wrestling fan I think should see. Uh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. But we're not quite done there. We have one more show from uh, this weekend, GCW, with uh, the second half of their doubleheader, Scene of the Crime. I watched the opening scramble for this one. I think the only match I skipped, again, was the Los Macizos match. Uh, but this one was Yoya versus Jimmy Lloyd versus Yuya Uemura versus Ty Hill versus Hunter Drake versus Mr. Danger. Uh, I gotta say, Mr. Danger, pretty fucking awesome. Just like... a a gangly tall black dude who does insane dives uh i want to see more of mr danger because he's he's very fun uh yeah this is a pretty entertaining scramble had some fun spots uh some bonkers dives pretty standard uh gcw opener but uh, I, i enjoyed it three out of five after that tony deppen took on robert martyr um I didn't like this Tony Deppin match as much as I liked his uh, one against Brian Keith the day before. Uh, A little more dependent on Tony's heel tactics, Um, but it was still okay. Three out of five. uh, Martyr's an an interesting wrestler. He's not um, like a first draft pick or anything, but uh, a a dark horse for, for future success, I would say. After that, Arez took on Rich Swan, two very flashy wrestlers doing very flashy wrestler shit. Um, this was a very entertaining match. Arez is such a watchable performer. Uh, he just moves like nobody else and has a very good grip on his character and, and how to present himself. Um, yeah, this was a lot of fun, actually. Um, three out of uh, 3.5 out of 5, you should probably check it out. After that, Sumi Sakai took on Pero uh, in a hilarious mismatch. Sumi obviously being a very tiny Japanese woman in her like mid to late 40s, and Pero just being a massive 300-pound beast of a man. Uh, this one was a pretty fun kind of comedy match with a bit of hardcore brawling in it. Mostly the joke is, how does Sumi Sakai even wrestle Pero, you know? So, kind of hit-and-run attacks, stomping on his fingers, you know, goofy shit like that. It was pretty fun. 2.5, not a great match, but it was entertaining to watch. I wasn't bored. Uh, after that, Blake Christian took on Alex Zane. Uh, this is much more to Blake Christian's wheelhouse than wrestling action Mike Jackson. Very smooth spot fest between very uh, very capable, very, uh, very confident wrestlers. So this was uh, a breeze to watch. Uh, 3.25, one of the better matches on the card for sure. After that, Thrussy, Effie, Ali Catch, and Dark Sheik took on Cole Radrick and the Brat Pack, Billy Starks and Broken Finlay. Um, once again, not a hardcore Thrussy match, um, a little more straight wrestling. And I don't know, I feel like this one just never really picked up. I feel like I wanted more Billy Starks, and she wasn't in this match a ton. And it kind of ended before I realized it was ramping up towards the end. So I, I don't know, I'm not crazy about this one. It was a 2.5 from me. After that, for the JCW Championship, Jordan Oliver took on Shigehiro Irie, and, uh, my god, uh, Irie is so good. He's so fucking good. Uh, he can take a, an average match and turn it into a great one, because, you know, when you do moves like his, uh, sometimes it... You know, you can have a fast-paced short match like the one with Speedball where it's just, like, blinding speed. Or you can have something like this where, you know, Jordan Oliver's 
kind of like epic indie style it fits a little more and I, I felt like this was a bit more of an enjoyable match than I've seen some other Jordan Oliver uh, uh, title defenses since the J Cup in any case 3.5 out of 5 pretty solid match overall you should check it out and then your main event for the GCW World Championship, Masha Slamovich versus Sawyer Wreck in GCW's first all-women's main event. Uh, pretty cool. This match opened with a knife fight. <laughs> I haven't seen this many knives in a school gymnasium since prom night. Hey, uh, knife prom, so many memories. In any case, um, the visual of these two women brandishing knives on each other in a wrestling match was pretty cool to begin with. Uh, it definitely started the match off hot. But, uh, yeah, they really lost the crowd on this one. And uh, I don't know if Masha just isn't that over or if the match was just kind of boring. Because it was kind of boring, unfortunately. There was a lot of uh, setting up doors and I don't know. It, it was okay. There were some okay brawling moments. There were some okay weapon spots, but uh, this just felt uh, pretty flat for a main event, unfortunately, and the crowd were pretty quiet for a lot of it. Uh, 2.5 from me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate that this one had to end this way. I would almost say put the JCW championship on last, but uh, Masha's world champion, and, and this was the right thing to do, like, politically-wise. Like... Don't get me wrong, it is the right thing to do. It just uh, didn't end the show off all that well. And I like both women, so that's unfortunate to say. But in any case, we got through 90 matches this week. Uh, I feel like it's kind of getting a little hard to like stretch it out with just the normal stuff that I watch every week. And sometimes I'm like, ah, shit, I gotta find more wrestling or my show is gonna suck. Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, journey to 5,000 matches. I really appreciate uh, those of you who listen weekly. I know there's, you know, seven or eight of you who, who listen to this show on a regular basis. Thank you so much. I never expected that to happen, so that's that's really cool. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow us at Throtators Show or myself at, at Matt Baskey. And if you really want to help out, you know, really uh, make this podcast everything that it can be, uh, you can go ahead and smoke weed and watch wrestling. That would be great. See you next week.